Welcome to this City Sessions edition of the Transforming Cities podcast. In a break from our typical long-form dialogue, each session aims to capture timely stories and sentiment around topics important to our friends and colleagues across the industry. Now, before jumping in, we want to highlight a simple way listeners can give to those in need. Right now, thousands of restaurant servers, bussers, bartenders, and even app-based workers for Lyft, Uber, Instacart, and more are struggling. Most are grappling with the fact that their job simply no longer exists, at least in the short term. So consider impacting change in the lives of those who ensure our spaces are run smoothly by donating to the One Fair Wage Emergency Fund. Basically, right now, it's providing emergency cash assistance for this workforce in the hardest hit areas across the country. Simply visit their website for more information, tap the link in the show notes, and if you want to right now, visit ofwemergencyfund.org. We encourage you to give what you can. On this City Sessions episode, I'm joined by Tyler Carner of the CBRE Industrial Group in Denver and Paul Hyde of Hyde Development in Minneapolis. And right now, we just need more data to come out. I'd say over the last couple of weeks, we're starting to see a trickle of data start to form. And I'd say over the next couple of weeks, we might have enough that groups can start to make some predictions and assumptions, which should help get the capital markets world back on track a little bit. As the nation approaches one month of stay-at-home orders, we tap into what capital markets are doing in response to the pandemic. In addition, we touch on emerging trends that are moving into the spotlight, such as e-commerce, onshore manufacturing, and more. I'm your host, Chris Arnold. Let's jump right in. So Paul and Tyler, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. So Paul, as you know, you, you joined me on a few of these City Sessions podcasts so far covering the pandemic and, and what the coronavirus has kind of turned the, the world into over the last few weeks. We're coming up on a month now. And, and so far, we've heard from developers and, and brokers and retail. We've heard from food and beverage. We've heard from restaurant owners. Obviously, you've heard from the industrial side. Something that we wanted to cover today was really exploring the, the capital piece of these of these projects and the money behind the projects and where that comes from and, and how that's being affected at this point. So Paul, I want to start with you and kind of have you jump into the capital markets topic at a high level and kind of give us a an overview and and, and kind of get us into that conversation. Yeah, great. I think it's a fancy word for something that most people easily understand. Just like buying a house, uh, you have your own money you put in, which is your equity, and then you have debt, which is money you borrow from someone, a bank or a life insurance company. And then the third piece of it uh, in the commercial real estate world is you've got people who are buying these buildings once you've built them and leased them up. All of that collectively together is is capital markets, to put quite simply. And it's really the invisible hand behind a lot of these projects and whether they live or die. If developers like us uh, can't sell buildings or can't get loans to build buildings, it doesn't matter how many tenants (laughs) may want to rent them. Mm -hmm. And it's really the grease that makes the markets work. And so I thought it'd be really interesting to pick Tyler's brain here on what he's seeing 
these sophisticated investors that control these large flows of money and how they're viewing uh, circumstances in industrial in, in light of COVID-19. That's, that's great. Yeah, thanks, Paul, for the, uh, the introduction there. I think the, the, you know, we're coming from a place kind of pre-COVID-19 of just an abundance of capital in the system. There was a lot of information out there for capital to assess and evaluate what was going on, what was going to happen, and, and make their assumptions accordingly. I think a place where we're at right now, there's a lot of uncertainty in the market. And that uncertainty has created a, a large and significant pause to the, a good majority of capital, not all capital. But I think kind of a, a, a place to maybe start is that we don't think at all that the search for yield is going to go away. It's very hard to find consistent yield. And I think as you look forward in the long run, that's going to continue. You just you need some certainty to, to predict where that's going to go. And right now, that certainty just doesn't exist to a great deal. The groups are looking for the ability to make their assumptions. And while we are in this environment, we basically need additional data to come out to help groups understand where the capital market world is today. That can be you know, where lease rates are, what kind of concessions do you need to give away, what type of downtime needs to exist on a property, what the debt looks like. And right now, we just need more data to come out. I'd say over the last couple of weeks, we're starting to see a trickle of data start to form. And I'd say over the next couple of weeks, we might have enough that groups can start to make some predictions and assumptions, which should help get the capital markets world back on track a little bit. Tyler, I'm sure there are a lot of listeners that don't fully understand the breadth of your role at CBRE. So it actually might be a good moment to take a step back and kind of quickly provide an overview to your role at CBRE. And when something like this has occurred, what are the markers that you're looking towards or where are you actually kind of headed for that data that you speak of? Yeah, that's great. Okay, yeah. So um, myself, uh, Jeremy Ballinger and Jim Bolt run the Industrial Capital Markets Division at CBRE. So our focus is industrial capital markets. So that's what we do. We, we also do do a significant amount of leasing as well as capital markets business. So as Paul was alluding to earlier, you build a building, you lease it up, you sell it. That that sell is the capital markets piece of the transaction, but just as important is getting that income in place and leasing it. And I would say right now, capital is looking for that kind of the blocking and tackling information to come out. The, the leasing information, the fundamentals mm. of the market to appear so they can then kind of move the transaction forward. So, so where that information is coming from is transactions. There are deals happening right now. I would say that 
a good 25% of deals might have just died in the last couple of weeks. I'd say 50% of them are either on pause and or maybe retrading the deal a little bit, trying to change the term slightly. And I'd say a good 25% of them are just moving forward. And in some cases, moving forward really no differently than, than kind of pre-COVID. So as these data points emerge on transactions that are taking place, we're able to relay those to people like Paul and help him make decisions. Yeah, Paul, I didn't, I didn't mean to cut you off earlier. I think you were about to jump in there. What Tyler's really saying is it's, it's all in my lap now. <laughs> <laughs> people want to see if we were going to lease space to company A pre-COVID at X dollars a foot and Y number of years, they want to know what that deal looks like today. Mm-hmm. And until we get some of those deals done, which falls on the in the laps of the landlords like me and developers and, and folks that do the leasing like Tyler, that's what people are waiting to see. Did rents go down? Are we offering more free rents? And that's that's the certainty and the data points I think Tyler's looking for. And it's going to come from projects like ours uh, getting leases done post-COVID, period. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. That to me seems like such a big topic where if you pull that off, it could be a can of worms and you could talk about it for for an hour. But I hesitate to do that now, but I'm, I'm curious enough to just go there with you, Paul, and, and say, how do you approach that? I, I think that's a big question. I mean, we've we've spoken to the... Restaurant owners, I mean, you work with plenty of restaurant owners and small businesses. I imagine that's such a delicate line to dance on. How has that approach been thus far? Or or maybe you would say, you know, we haven't even gotten there yet, and that's fair enough too. Yeah, I guess what's been so mind-bending about these last three weeks or a month is you've got some group of tenants that are just really hurting food and beverage. They can't open they can't run. You've got other industrial tenants, particularly those that are delivering us our food and groceries and our our toilet paper from Amazon that are doing volumes they would normally see at Christmas or more and are looking to hire people and expand space. And so my day is spent between looking at folks needing some help with rent relief and folks looking to build large uh, distribution centers that we can build for them and lease them because of the growing demand for e-commerce. Mm. Tyler, this this to me is a great pivot point into something we were talking about before we hopped on, which really has to do with what the market is showing and what you're seeing in the market so far with regards to trends that you're seeing out there. And Paul just kind of touched on e-commerce. I know that you have a couple others in mind. Why don't you give the listeners a sense of of what you're seeing and 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 what what items are potentially emerging that that were maybe otherwise not in the spotlight? Yeah, I completely agree, and 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 I think what Paul was kind of saying is what the whole entire real estate world is realizing is that not all asset classes and product types are created the same, and they will all be affected differently. For the last couple of years, industrial for the CBRE Investor Intention Survey has been the most favored asset class, but really tied neck and neck with multifamily. So investors have preferred a 
above all other asset classes, investing into those two. Mm-hmm. The most recent investor intention survey just came out today. And industrial and multifamily were tied. But it's worth noting that that, was, that survey was taken pre-COVID. And you know, it's, it's, it's not a, a, a verified study, but I would tell you that with the concerns about people paying rent to their apartments, I would think that industrial over the last month has probably accelerated its preference to investors. So it's a, it's a very favorite asset class. And then some drivers behind it that I think, you know, Paul alluded to e-commerce, but it's also worth noting that inventory is likely to increase due to uh, distribution companies needing to keep more inventory on in, in the event of future, you know, supply chain issues. Manufacturing could come on shore and some of it certainly will also due to just supply chain issues. Food and beverage is likely to grow directly from kind of warehouse to consumer bypassing the supermarkets. You know, each and every one of those is a major driver to industrial. And that's kind of where a theme that I want the listeners to, to know is that long-term industrial, it, it has been a, a great asset class. But if you liked industrial before COVID, in reality, you you should like it more. And the capital markets does still recognize this, but it just needs some additional data to to emerge before it, in in our opinion, kind of gets back on track and and starts functioning in a much smoother way. Mm. Yeah, Paul, how does that how does that land for you in terms of what you're seeing? And I know that you're an avid reader and listener and, and you're, you're always up to date. So does that align with what you're seeing? Do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I'd say that um, I've done this for 25 years and I can remember when we were the least favored or <laughs> much less favored <laughs> uh, investment class. And it's really remarkable to see the change. And what we're going to see is all the habits and behaviors that you and I and the listeners are engaging in to get through our shelter in place or stay at home time is driving businesses and they're going to change their model as a result. And Mm -hmm. we're seeing big users that are already starting to take action in this regard, looking for space. These are 500,000 to 700,000 foot distribution centers that folks that are planning ahead are saying, hey, we see how we're running now. We need to start thinking about this as a paradigm shift, whether it's stocking more toilet paper (laughs) rather than just in time, Mm -hmm. or it's Mm -hmm. more people buying food, as Tyler suggests, through these e-commerce channels, or it's manufacturers saying, you know what, I, I can't wait for this part to be stuck in China. I need to have it here. So you kind of repatriate some of that manufacturing. All three of those are going to drive our product type. And uh, we're seeing the very early signs of it, even in this terrible time, which bodes well for the future. And I might I might just add to that, Paul, that you know, I think people like you across the nation uh, in the industrial world have been pretty conservative. There isn't a tremendous amount of leverage 
on the on, on the industrial assets. There's very few CMBS loans that kind of have gotten people in trouble previously. So there, while we're in a moment of a pause, we're not expecting in the industrial capital markets world there to be a lot of distress. It's possible for there to be some and likely for there to be some in some of the other food groups. But um, I think uh, industrial's in, the, in a good position. Guys, as we begin to to wrap up this this episode, I want to get your your quick take on, you know, I, I love the positive nature of of this episode specifically. I think we're starting to see some silver linings emerge. To your point, Tyler, in certain classes, what what are the conversations you're having with with your colleagues and your and your partners at this point? What sort of advice are you giving them, Tyler, at CBRE to kind of Keep their wits about them, or or stay calm. You know, during a time where there's there's so much upheaval, and it's it's quick to easy and quick to just fall into the the I'm watching the news too much and everything is terrible. What are those conversations that you're having? Yeah, you mean really like amongst our colleagues, not not clients, is what you're asking. You know, both really. How how does that mm-hmm. how does that communication span between your your teammates as well as your customers and partners? Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, we are information providers and advisors. And, you know, our job and goal is to have as much information as we can and and try to deliver that, you know, to our clients. And right now, information is actually what everybody needs and what everybody wants. And, you know, we're we're at a spot right now where there's not as much information out there as we would like. So we're just trying to gather as much of it as we can. And that's really what our effort is right now is it's mm. it's a lot less transactional and it's a lot more information gathering. But I think that's what everybody needs and wants. And really that's what our that's what our efforts are focused on right now. Yeah. Well guys, clearly this is a conversation we should have in another eight weeks. I think we're maybe joking a little bit about that before the call, but it would be very interesting to see come early summer. Um, what this conversation has evolved into. So, so Paul and and Paul, as always, thank you. And, and Tyler, thanks for hopping on today. Really appreciate your your insight. Thank you, Chris. Yeah. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Chris. Transforming Cities is brought to you by Authentic Form and Function, the digital design and development team that just might be a perfect fit for your next urban project. If you're a new listener, you can follow along at authenticff.com slash transforming cities, or you can simply subscribe through your favorite apps, including iTunes, Spotify, or Stitcher. Thanks for joining us.